No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. It's Monday night. It's a very big week coming up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And as always, we've got so much to get through in so little time. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course... If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, then you can do so by following at Boogie Bumper. Also live on Trovo tonight. Hello to Trovo. I'm hoping that Restream will eventually add the Trovo chat to its chat function. So we, I'm hopeful we can get you up on the screen at some time. But for now, you'll just have to be content sitting in a little box in my windows. Thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget, as always, tonight's recommended drink is cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack. Bland brand no-name crackers. That's because you're tuned in to the official, the one and the only wine and crackers broadcast right here. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, the preferred method is, of course, streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper. Thank you for joining us. So much to get through. What a week we have ahead of us. I just want to send a little shout out to my American brothers and sisters out there because I know you've got a lot on your mind. And in case things don't work out for you, I want to say it's been real. We're going to miss you, America. You gave us so many fond memories, so many good times, but of course all good things must come to an end. We shared moments over the years. I remember World War II like it was yesterday. There was Vietnam as well. Let's not forget about the Gulf Wars. They were something. But whenever we hung out with you, you know, we always thought, we always knew this is a genuine country. This is a, this is a real group of real people. So if you don't make it past Wednesday, then it's been nice knowing you. And you shall live on in our memories and our hearts. Delayed, not denied, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So much big news happening uh, around the world. So I thought we'd do a little bit of a Media Watch Monday because we haven't done one for a while. But before we get to any of that, uh, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, life imitates art. I want to show you this. Enjoy. Happy Hanukkah, my hey. Victor underscore von underscore shroom tipped five dollars. The D Live Lemon Quarantine got nothing on Streamlabs. <laughs> Folks, this is the superior way to support Boogai. Oh, thank you, Victor von Shroom. And he sent through a clip. Let's have a look here. Thank you so much, sir. What have we got? <laughs> Okay. 
Ah, based weird German guy. Maschke nicht. Nein. He says nein to the mask because he's based in Aryan. With missing teeth. German pop music. I think it's a parody, but thank you for the Vic. <laughs> Once again, thank you for thank you for the videos, Victor. I appreciate it. You got to turn Streamlabs on though, Boogie. Streamlabs is on. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Booga, boo guy, boo guy. All right. So where were we? Ah, oh, that's right. Life imitating art. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so simple and so perfect. It's not being mean or anything, you know. <laughs> that is that is fucking fantastic. I'm gonna play it one more time. I love when people just do things to make the world a slightly less shitty place, you know? Doing a little video like that, that's not for fame, that's not for fortune, that's not for adoration. It's purely just to make the world a little bit rosier, a little bit nicer, a little bit funnier. To those people, we are all indebted. Because the rest of it is rather terrible. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Monday Night Daily Boogie Podcast from our favourites here at Salon. Media suddenly shifts its tone on Trump, but that's not courage, it's cowardice, yes. Salon is very pleased that the mainstream media, the corporate media, ladies and gentlemen, you know them, they've been so pro-Donald Trump for so long, it's about time they start telling the truth, right? <laughs> I mean, they've been far too nice to this fucking tyrant. They've been t they've been far too easy going with Adolf 2.0. It's about time they pulled their finger out and started leveling a little bit of criticism at this guy. On Wednesday, the House of Representatives voted to impeach him a second time because of his role in inciting violence before the coup attempt. The coup last Wednesday at the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> you know, I'm, I I am racking my brain looking through history, trying to find at least one example of somebody attempting to overthrow a government whilst wearing face paint and a silly costume with horns. I haven't been able to find one yet. Maybe they're out there. I mean, the face paint I can see because, you know, Green Berets and Marines and shit, they kind of wear that war paint. I guess that counts. So that could be true. We could also go back probably to like ancient Viking times find a lot of people wearing face paint when they take over a government that may also be true but if we can max it if we can match it up with the horned silly halloween costume or whatever the fuck the furry outfit then i think we'll be in good stead 
Trump is now, the article continues, Trump is now the only president to have been impeached twice and could easily have been impeached on other occasions for his many other crimes. Listen to this, crimes against democracy. <laughs> you know what that is? That's the crime when you have no crime. It's about time they throw this. It's about time they throw this guilty son of a bitch in prison for all of his crimes. I'm sorry, so which crimes are those? The crimes against democracy. I mean, did he steal a car? Did he rob somebody at knife point? Did he commit credit card fraud? Anything. Give me something. Did he jaywalk? Did he steal milk from his local local supermarket? Give me something to work with here. Yeah, he's guilty of crimes against democracy. All right, so you've got nothing. Anyway, thank you for playing. Thank you for keeping it safe. The Constitution and the rule of law. All 222 House Democrats, along with 10 Republicans, voted to impeach Trump. The Senate must now hold a trial, but Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he will not reconvene the chamber before next Tuesday, one day before Joe Biden's inauguration next Tuesday. So it appears likely that the incoming Democratic-controlled Senate will hold Trump's second impeachment trial. So he's going to, they're going to vote to impeach. <laughs> Although they do need 60, right? Can they, can they get nine GOP? Can they successfully bow, uh, browbeat nine GOP senators into siding with the Democrats? I think they probably could. I mean, I don't know which ones. I have no idea which ones would, but I'm sure they'll get some of them too. Some of them in like the more toss-up-y kind of states, the swinging states. You know, you, you, you want to be on the right side of history, don't you? You know, your, vote, your voters will expect you to do this. By largely refusing to join Democrats in voting to impeach Donald Trump, House Republicans sent several messages to their followers, the American people and the world more generally. Okay, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. But I want to get to the part about the media because that's what the article is supposed to be about. Okay. During last week's Capitol uh, siege of the US Capitol, the hope peddlers and other professional centrists, professional centrists. Oh boy. Oh, Salon. <laughs> now tread very carefully. Abruptly appropriated the language of the resistance, spontaneously finding last minute courage to tell the truth about Trump's presidency and his movement. Now those same public voices are pretending they never denied the real dangers of Trumpism and American fascism, playing their new role as imposter defenders of democracy. Such a shift in speech. Yes, because what I've noticed is the corporate media has definitely changed their tune on Donald Trump since he got voted out. I mean, before that, it was all lovey-dovey. We love Trump. He's an American hero. And now, all of a sudden, they find the courage to speak against him. When will the centrist, the professional centrist media learn? Because <laughs> when they say centrist, they're talking about MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, right? I mean, this is Salon. So far left that buses don't even go there. As part of this sudden rewrite of history, those in the mainstream news media who denied the obvious reality of Trump's imminent coup are also claiming that we are all victims of a, quote, failure of imagination and that it was, quote, impossible to think such a thing could happen in America. With such claims, mainstream journalists are adopting a version of the royal first-person plural, speaking of how we have finally woken up to the dangers of Donald Trump, 
or saying that we have ignored the dangers of right-wing extremism in the United States for too long. Yes. You know, this right-wing extremism has always been a problem. It's, it's, I'm so glad that only now the corporate media, ladies and gentlemen, are finally finding the courage to speak about just how dangerous white people are. Yep. God, God bless them. Better late than never, especially when there's a real problem. In the world as it actually exists, now this is going to be a lesson on, this is going to be a lesson on reality now from Salon. Um, actually, the world exists like this. In the world as it actually exists, black and brown Americans have long understood that Donald Trump and his movement are an existential threat to the United States. Because of their personal or historical experience, there are other individuals and groups such as Muslims, Jewish people, and what is, what is, what has he done to the Jewish people? It's amazing. This dynamic that Trump has, I think, is his alone. The fact that the far left hate him because he's not nice enough to the Jews and the far right hate him because he's too nice to the Jews. It's just fucking perfect. <laughs> I mean, they, they call him a Zionist shill. You know, you know, Trump has been Trump has been so mean to Jewish people. <laughs> the, the fascist sitting on the other side of the room goes, "Fucking what, mate?" <laughs> that is a talent. You know, he's going to be gone in a couple of days, and we'll have plenty of time to reflect. I'm going to miss his wisecracks because, let's face it, no other politician does it like that. But I'm I'm also going to miss these little idiosyncrasies that carry along with him. I mean, in some ways, I'm glad that's over. You can just rip the band-aid off and now we can get straight into Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as quickly as possible. But these little idiosyncratic little foibles that Donald Trump has. Because if you think about it, when they talk about him in the future, he will be simultaneously the most loved and the most hated American president in history. And that in of itself is uh, an achievement, don't you think? He's both of those things simultaneously. The most the most loved and the most hated. Like a truly polarizing character. And the reality is for people like, you know, Cory Booker and you know, even Kamala Harris, I suspect. Other politicians, I don't not to single those two out, but you know, there's a whole bunch of them. All of these other politicians, they're not going to be remembered. They keep talking about being on the right side of history, but when it's all said and done, they'll still be talking about Donald Trump probably 100 years from now, and nobody will even fucking know that Cory Booker existed. Right? You know, Elizabeth Warren, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, none of, the, none of them are going to be remembered 50 years from now, 100 years from now. They'll be bit part players. But he's the only one because he simultaneously got every he got the most people to hate him and the most people to love him at the same time. And those are the ones that carry through history. Because there's so many people talking about them at the time. So that's gotta fucking hurt, mate. In the world as it actually exists, this is the article. Black and brown Americans have long understood that Donald Trump and his movement are an existential threat to the United States. Because of their personal or historical experience, there are other individuals and groups such as Muslims, Jewish people, and recent immigrants and refugees who also possess similar insights and instincts. We're going on instinct now. 
Many liberals and progressives of all races are also aware that Trumpism represents an extreme threat to democracy and American society. And of course, there are a select few public voices who, at considerable personal risk, have spent the last few years sounding the alarm about the rise of American fascism. Yes, because as you all know, it's socially and it's socially very dangerous, especially in the age of the internet, to accuse Republicans of being fascist. It's a very risky thing to do. You're so brave. God bless you for speaking up, finally. You know, what I love most about the media is they show such bravery and loyalty to us. You know, somebody comes under a threat of, you know, significant personal risk by coming out and correctly labelling the GOP as white supremacists. You know, and I just ta- I take it upon myself because I think people deserve to know the truth. So, of course, every time I accuse uh, the Republicans and white people and whatnot of being Nazis and white supremacists, of course, every time I think about my family and how much they hated me when I was growing up. <laughs> I think about my father who doesn't want to talk to me anymore at Christmas. He says I was a big disappointment. I think about him a lot, actually, <laughs> most of the time. To wit, it is objectively true that Donald Trump is a public menace. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah, my nigga. Happy Hanukkah. Winning TV tipped $5. Here's some lemons in the form of (laughs) soon-to-be-worthless American currency. (laughs) Thank you, Phil D'Angelo, Winning TV. Uh, Trovo.live slash Winning (laughs) TV. Got to learn all the new plugs now. Thank you for joining us, Phil. Yes. The, the soon-to-be-worthless American currency. Load up now. Buy your wheelbarrows now while they're cheap because one day you're going to you're gonna need to carry all that money around. You know, you were concerned... Remember back in 2014 and 2015 how you were concerned with pallets full of money showing up on, you know, Iran's doorstep? Don't worry. You'll have your, your own pallet full of money in your garage very shortly. It'll be, it'll be just enough to buy a tank of gas. It'll be wonderful. <laughs> but the hope peddlers, professional centrists, and stenographers of current events will inevitably present such facts as opinions demanding balance from both sides in an equation built on false equivalence, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. Listen to this. So the idea that you should have balance from both sides, this is how it's described here in Salon. I'm not making it up. Such obsolete rules and norms will also inevitably be used as cudgels by the mainstream news media against Joe Biden's administration and the Democratic Party. (laughs) You see? You know, this idea that the media should be objective and see both sides, it's really an antiquated notion that has no place here in the modern world. It's an obsolete rule, a disgusting, archaic norm, which will only be used to hurt the Democrats. (laughs) Thank you for keeping me informed, Shalon. (laughs) Gee, I would hate for objectivity to get in the way of this Joe Biden positive PR campaign. It would really be annoying if somebody were to apply the same standards to both sides because then they're going to make Joe Biden look bad. Those fucking Nazis are at it again. 
the article continues. Ultimately, because the mainstream news media failed so dramatically in its response to Donald Trump, <laughs> he really thinks the corporate media was too nice to the guy. I fucking love this. <laughs> this is exact. This is what gets me up in the morning reading articles like this. You cannot make it up. <laughs> that, that, that mainstream media was treating Donald Trump far too well. I mean, this idea, this antiquated, old, archaic notion that we should have objectivity on both sides, it's really just a Republican propaganda campaign. <laughs> Love you, Salon. Ultimately, because the mainstream news media failed so dramatically in its response to Donald Trump, it will overcompensate through jaundice face vigilance towards the Biden administration and the liberal or progressive agenda more generally. When this happens, and it is happening already, American democracy will suffer more damage, succumbing further to the poison of authoritarianism. Wow. So, Ergo, if you cover the if you cover politics objectively and you're in the media, which nobody is, by the way. They're overwhelmingly democratic and left-leaning, but let's put that to one side. If you cover, if you attempt to cover the Biden administration and the Trump administration equally and objectively and apply the same standards to both, you are literally, by, according to Salon, you are literally responsible for promoting authoritarianism. <laughs> you should only write positive about one side. Otherwise, you're a fascist. Bravo. Absolutely wonderful. This is why I read Salon. I love this shit. To understand Trump's support, we must think in terms of multiracial whiteness, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a new, we've got a new racial category to unveil here on the program, and I'm very much looking forward to this. Because you know, because <laughs> you know. If you're one of these people out there, now I know there's a few of you out there. If you're one of these non-white people in the audience, but you, you know, you have a lot of white friends, um, perhaps you vote, you know, you tend to vote more libertarian or conservative, which would indicate, you know, some kind of self-loathing, I think, beneath your, you know, obviously more beautiful non-white skin. So if you're a non-white person out there, I've got good news and bad news. <laughs> Now, the bad news is that you're not going to get any of the power and the privilege that you get by being a naturally white person. However, we can now lump you into this new category we've created called multiracial whiteness. So what, you don't have to be white to be white anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like we are... We are now accepting applications to be let into the white club. This will, this will be fucking good. <laughs> the Washington Post, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> the Trump administration's anti-immigration and anti-civil rights stance has made it easy to classify the president's loyalists as a homogenous mob of white supremacists. But let's take a look at the FBI posters showing people wanted in the insurrectionist assault on the US Capitol. Among the many white faces, 
are a few that are clearly Latino or African-American. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. We have some black white people now. <laughs> it's multiracial whiteness, guys. <laughs> Such Listen to this. They even get props for having diversity in the insurrectionist mob. <laughs> Such diversity highlights the fact that President Trump's share of the Latino vote in November actually rose over 2016. Notwithstanding years of incendiary rhetoric targeting Mexicans and other Latino communities. Yes, Trump's voters and his mob are disproportionately white. But one of the more unsettling exit poll data points of 2020 election was that a quarter to a third of Latino voters voted to elect Donald Trump. Oh, it's panic stations. This is awful. It's it's unsettling. <laughs> it's unsettling to learn that a bunch of Latinos voted for this guy. And while the vast majority of Latino... Whoa, whoa, what happened there? Come back. Come back to me. And while the vast majority of Latinos and an overwhelming majority of African-American voters voted to support the Biden-Harris ticket and were crucial to its success, many black and brown voters have family and friends who fervently backed the MAGA policy agenda, including its delusions and conspiracy theories. One of the organisers of the Stop the Steal movement is Ali Alexander, a Trump supporter who identifies as black and Arab. The chairman of the neo-fascist Proud Boys is an Enrique, Enrique Barrio. Barrio. Huh? Eh? Eh? Because whenever a white person... So if you're new to being white, I have to tell you something. Whenever you see uh, a Spanish name, you have to try and pretend to do a Spanish accent. I think that's not cultural appropriation. That's called uh, making the Mexicans feel welcome. Enrique Tario. Tario. See? See how I did that? Ole, mis. Ole. A Latino raised in Miami's Little Havana who identifies as Afro-Cuban. When he arrived in Washington for the January 6th march, he was arrested for allegedly burning a Black Lives Matter banner taken from a black church the month before. What are we to make of Tario? Tario and more broadly of Latino voters inspired by Trump. And what are we to make of unmistakably white mob violence? <laughs> I like how they just attach that to the, the first part of the question. What are we going to do with Latino voters? Well, that's a good question. And not only that, what are we going to do about this white mob violence? <laughs> um, can we just deal with one at a time? What do we make of white mob violence that also includes, listen to this, non-white participants? That, yes. Do not adjust your monitors. You are listening to the, You are hearing this correctly. The Washington Post is saying that white mob violence includes non-white participants. It's still white mob violence, but it's also uh, full of non-whites. <laughs> We, we call it white mob violence because that's what white people do. It's just a shame that there's some non-white people also in the white mob. <laughs> Multiracial whiteness, ladies and gentlemen. 
The article continues, I call this phenomenon multiracial whiteness. I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's a phenomenon. We've just, inv- we're, we're in- we've invented a new racial group today. And that racial group is non-white people who participate in white mob violence. I call this, I call this phenomenon multiracial whiteness. <laughs> the article continues, the promise that they too can lay claim to the politics. Listen to this. So the the idea behind multiracial <laughs> multiracial whiteness is this. The promise that they too, we're talking about the non-whites here, can lay claim to the politics of aggression, exclusion, and domination. Oh, my goodness. Um, genuine question. If, if, white, if multiracial whiteness is a political system of aggression, exclusion, and domination, I would just ask, why are there so many Latino voters in, the, in America then? <laughs> right? If, if the system is built on white supremacy and white aggression and exclusion and domination, why would you be concerned about non-white people trying to join this movement? It wouldn't exist. Don't you just love, don't you just love the absolute zero application of logic here? We're just inventing new racial subcategories. And we're just inventing these obviously ridiculous reasons for that thing to exist. But it doesn't matter. Because we're on the right side of history. Soon we will ban people from saying that this is wrong. Hopefully. Before Trump, conservatives seeking to appeal to Latinos typically embraced the politics of conservative multiculturalism. Politicians such as George W. Bush reached out to Latino voters by showing a familiarity with their language and history. So, again, remember how many times have we said on the show, once upon a time, journalists, it was it was considered a journalist's job to break down political speech and the phony, cliched political game playing that takes place, to break it down for the audience, right? To make it accessible for readers, to, to see through the rhetoric. They don't do that anymore. They actually praise the politicians who are the most cliched and rhetorical, right? They praise them. They, 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 are, they are terrified if they don't do it. We have come to not only embrace the lie, not only prefer the lie, we've come to expect the lie. We demand lies now, right? So, George, imagine this. The Washington Post which is supposed to be at the forefront of speaking truth to power and cutting-edge journalism, and we won't take a backward step. Their sub their subtitle is Democracy Dies in Darkness, for fuck's sake. And listen to this. They're giving props to George W. Bush because he would come out and say a few things in Spanish sometimes. And, oh, no, he was showing familiarity with the Latino voters. He was showing he understands their struggle. What? Fucking, what repulsive garbage. (laughs) They crave, they crave the shallowed, cliched nonsense. Because it makes them feel comfortable. Trump, by contrast, knows nothing of the history of Latinos in the United States, 
and rarely even pretends to find value in Latinos' distinct identities. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Are you saying that he doesn't he doesn't talk about, you know, Mexicans as opposed to Cubans as a, as opposed to Venezuelans as a pro, as opposed to Puerto Ricans? Is that is, is this a problem? Listen again. Trump by contrast knows nothing of the history of Latinos in the United States and rarely even pretends to find value in Latinos' distinct identities. <laughs> Rather than offering his non-white voters recognition, Trump has offered them multiracial whiteness. Fucking brilliant. He hasn't he hasn't been nice to them. What he's offered them is a slice of the white pie. <laughs> That's why he's getting Rooted in America's ugly history of white supremacy. Again, if the history was so fascist and white supremacist, the non-whites would not be there. This wouldn't be an issue. This wouldn't be an article. <laughs> Why are so many non-white voters voting for this white supremacist? <laughs> Do you see the problem with that question? <laughs> no, no. It's not because I'm wrong. It's because they have been lured by the scent of multiracial whiteness. Okay, thank you, Washington Post. It's time to go home now. <laughs> Rooted in America's ugly history of white supremacy... Indigenous dispossession and anti-blackness. Multiracial whiteness is an ideology invested in the unequal distribution of land, wealth, power, and privilege. A form of hierarchy in which the standing of one section of the population is premised on the debasement of others. Multiracial whiteness reflects an understanding of whiteness as a political colour and not simply a racial identity. It just it just keeps going, doesn't it? It never stops. It's just it's just bile. It's just trash. It's just vomit. Constant. Constant. Vomit in text form. It's astounding. I, I've got to be fair. I've got to tip my hat to these fucking assholes. I didn't think they had it in them to go four years and beyond. Now they're, they're only just getting warmed up with this stuff. The last four years was nothing. It's about to hit the floor, man. <laughs> Multiracial whiteness affects an understanding of whiteness as a political colour and not simply a racial identity. A discriminatory worldview in which feelings of freedom and belonging are produced through the persecution and dehumanisation of others. <laughs> Fuck a duck. Just gets better and better. Multiracial whiteness promises Latino Trump voters freedom from the politics of diversity. That's enough, I reckon, for a lot of people. <laughs> oh, you mean I don't have to do this woke shit anymore, SA? Where do I fucking sign up? You guys are excruciating. Multiracial whiteness promises Latino Trump supporters freedom from the politics of diversity and recognition. For voters who see the very act of acknowledging one's racial identity as itself racist, the politics of multiracial whiteness reinforces their desired approach to uh, their desired approach to listen to this colorblind individualism. <laughs> oh, you mean 
treating everybody as an individual. Ah, yes. Well, I suppose if you were an insane person, you could call that colourblind individualism. In the politics of multiracial whiteness, anyone can join the MAGA movement and engage in the wild freedom of unbridled rage and conspiracy theories. <laughs> unbridled rage. <laughs> So I'm a black guy in the United States and I want to be able to experience unbridled rage and conspiracy theories. I sign up to my local MAGA chapter, I go to a rally or two, and I have now been inculcated into the department of multiracial whiteness. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> multiracial whiteness, are they trying to sell this? Multiracial whiteness offers citizens of every background the freedom to call Muslims terrorists. Oh, wow. Sounds like a green light. Come on in, black people. <laughs> Come on in, black people. We've got we've just legalized some slurs over here for your use. Enjoy. You don't have to be the only one that gets mean words anymore. Come on over to our side. It offers citizens of every background the freedom to call Muslims terrorists, demand that undocumented immigrants be rounded up and deported, deride BLM as a movement of thugs and criminals, and accuse Democrats of being blood-drinking pedophiles. Sounds like fun over there. Here, the politics of exclusion, violence, and demonization uh, are all available to all. If you want to speak Spanish and celebrate a quinceanera, quinceanera, is that how you say it? I don't know, I'm not weird. I'm European. <laughs> Spanish and kids in Yana? In your family? Go ahead. If you want to be a proud boy, be a proud boy. Trump doesn't care. As long as you love him, he'll love you. America's racial divide is simply is not simply between not, whites and non-whites. Thinking in terms of multiracial whiteness helps us recognise that much of today's political rift is a division between those who are drawn to and remain invested in the politics of whiteness and those who seek something better. Well, I mean, I don't know. The politics of whiteness, they've done a pretty good job. They've made it sound pretty nice to me. The politics of whiteness. So there you go. You don't even have to be a white person to be a white person anymore. Congratulations, Washington Post. To understand Trump's support, we must think in terms of multiracial whiteness. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> like I said, I thought that I thought years ago that we were starting to wind down on people eating this shit up. They haven't stopped. It will never stop. Mark Skog in the chat. This is Tom, my multiracial white friend. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Jim Enward. Congratulations to Royce for finally becoming white. Yes. It was a long time coming, but he got there in the end. So as you know, we've been talking about demonetization lately. Well, since Friday anyway. There's been a raft of Twitter accounts removed, YouTube accounts removed. And I just want to be the first one to bravely say... Thank you so much to the corporate media because you have kept us safe, you have protected us, and you have our best interests in heart. So when the corporate media correctly identifies, you know, Twitter accounts and YouTube pages and Facebook pages and, 
you know, pseudo news organizations, which really just exist to promote multiracial whiteness. When they identify these people, um, you know, I think they're helping me out. Thank you for keeping me safe, Cobra Media. Because I don't know good, bad, good things from bad things when I hear them. I need somebody else to point to the bad guy in the room for me so I know to avoid them. Actually, can you just delete them from the internet, please, so I don't accidentally stumble upon their racisms? Thank you so much. So thank you for keeping us safe here, Brian Stolter, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a look. Information crisis that has been perpetuated, in my view, by platforms like the one we're used to work, Facebook, as well as Twitter and others. It's really hard because what's happening is people... This, this is actually my favorite aspect of 2021. I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite part of the whole gaslighting campaign because now is when they start saying... This, this is now when they start really turning the screws. This is when they start twisting the knife in your back because now they're going to start this talking point, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for this? It's going to be that Twitter and Facebook have been too generous to fascists, right? Like, part of the reason why we are here in this divided society is because Twitter and Facebook and YouTube haven't done enough to ban more conservatives. <laughs> Remember how we've spoken of the concept of information blitzkrieg, right? So while while you're still discussing the first talking point, they're, all, they're just moving forward on the battlefield. They're moving the ball down the field, right? And now they are on to the next talking point now. See, you're still sitting there debating whether or not it's right to demonetize people. They're sitting they've they've already agreed that it's right to demonetize people, and now they're on to the next talking point. And their next talking point is, but should we should we ban more people? Have we banned enough? We all agree that banning fascists off the internet is the correct thing to do. But I ask you this, couldn't we have banned a few more along the way? <laughs> right? I mean, you can't be too careful these days. And we're all still back here going, I don't think they should be banning anybody. <laughs> they've, they've already decided they need to be banning more. And so when they start banning more, that's when you'll be dragged to that conversation. And you'll then be sidetracked into a sub-conversation of, should this person get banned? Should that person get banned? But they've already decided they have because they've banned them. And then they'll be on to the next talking. You see what I mean here? So, yes. Thank you for keeping Thank you for keeping me informed, Brian. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, are responsible in large part because they haven't done enough to ban more fascists along the way. This is gold. Information crisis that has been perpetuated, in my view, by platforms like the one we're used to work, Facebook, as well as Twitter and others. It's really hard because what's happening is people are able to seek out the information that makes them feel good. Yeah. That is what happening is that you know, people have so much choice now. They can choose what their news sources are. They can choose what influencers they want to follow. Um, and, and they can try to seal out anything that helps them question that. And that, I think that gets to a, a really core issue uh, with how our freedoms as Americans and, and the way we have treated press freedom in, in the past is being abused by these actors. I don't know, man. This this is this is 
this is probably one of the worst clips I've ever I've ever seen. Like be, far and beyond anything else that I've seen. You now you now have corporate media talking about why it's a good idea to ban media. Talking about they they're openly lamenting the fact that there is more media out there. You know it's really, the problem is there are too many people out there doing news. What should really be happening is everybody should be forced to come to like two or three different networks because that's the way we used to do it. But now they have their own, now people can find their own people, you know, their own influences that they want to watch. They have that freedom to do that. And that's really, we need to really reassess what press freedom means in this age of fake news. Wow. We need to reassess press freedom, ladies and gentlemen, because there should be none. Yes, you are watching a corporate media outlet openly advocating for removing freedom of the press standards because it's dangerous, because it's too dangerous to have so many people out there finding their own news. It's too dangerous for you, you stupid, silly little peasants, to have your own opinions to have so much choice. The choice is literally killing you. You're too stupid for that. You need to have two or three channels max, and that's where you'll get your information. We want you to get the information from us. Remember the the very classic WikiLeaks clip, right? No, no, it wasn't WikiLeaks. What was it again? I don't know, but Chris Cuomo, you know. So, you know, it's actually illegal for people to have these documents. So if you want to learn what was in this this leak, then you have to come through us. I genuinely believe this. Um, in that we have given a lot of leeway, uh, both in the traditional media we, and on... We have given a lot of leeway to people? I don't know if you were in... I don't know who follows Oliver Darcy on Twitter. Oliver Darcy has spent the entire weekend trying to get uh, one American news network and Newsmax removed from the internet. He's been personally lobbying uh, Amazon... And other people who like like Apple, for example, who have these apps on their store. He's been personally lobbying these companies to remove OANN and Newsmax from the fucking internet. He's he's supposed to be CNN's media analyst. But that's not what he does. He just tries to get people removed. And then you see clips like this where they're like, you know, we've given too much, we've given them far too much leeway. It's time to corral all of the audience in front of our channel. It's time to ban all the other channels. We need to rethink press freedom because there's too much choice out there. And this choice is dangerous. Hey! Thank you for keeping me safe there, Nan. Social media. You know, one of the reasons why I love the corporate media is they just understand me so well. They know that if I have too many choices and too many options when it comes to consuming media, that eventually I'll turn into a crazy gun-toting lunatic. So they are trying to force me to watch them and only them because they care about me and my family. They really do care. They really do love us and protect us. Thank you so much, corporate media. To people to have a very broad range of political views right. and it is now in the great economic interest of those individuals to become more and more radical and i think that one of the places you can see this is on the, the fact that you now have competitors to fox news on their right oann yes. and newsmax which are carried by all the major cable networks um 
who are trying to now outflank Fox on the right because the moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, look at Brian like that that nodding like that knowing yes yes yes. There are there are people trying to outflank Fox on the right. Yes, and Brian's like mm hmm hmm, and they're getting more extreme, aren't they? Would you say that they're on the verge of promoting terrorism? Yes, I would, Brian. Yes, I would. <laughs> but no, n never any self-reflection, right? Because, again, you know, people say CNN is communist news network and stuff. They're really not. This is, this is corporate authoritarianism. Co corporations are based on money, and money has no ideology. They will just promote whatever ideology they think will make them the most money. Whatever ideology they, they think they can harness in order to, you know, pool enough resources and obtain as much power and influence as they possibly can in order to make money. CNN is not the communist news network. CNN is the corporate news network. There's a reason that once upon a time on YouTube, when you logged in, you would see videos like monkey pissing in its own mouth, cat videos, whatever whatever video was popular at that time. And now when you log into YouTube, what are all the top videos? CNN, MSNBC, ABC, right? These are the options that you're presented. Corporate mainstream media. There's a reason that these people are going after servers and they're eliminating competition now they can use social justice as a vehicle they can use social justice kind of like as a sword to wield but it's really the social justice like i said last week the social justice warriors are really the byproduct of this corporate authoritarianism they're the unintentional byproduct which is then used it's then like pumped back into the system in order to help the main product they're they're, they're the petroleum distillate of politics. That's why they've got, you know, nearsightedness and pink hair and armpit hair. Because they're not really, they're, they're anomalies. <laughs> but the, the intention is, you know, corporate coverage wall to wall and the suffocation of anything that doesn't abide by it. Immediately, a bunch of people chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And Listen, they can do that both on cable. If, if people choosing... <laughs> This is one of my favorite things that they say. People are choosing to put themselves into an echo chamber. Yes, that choice is made much easier when you are literally removed from all of the mainstream ones. When, you, when you're constantly being banned from the mainstream outlets, then you, you go to someplace like Parlor, which thankfully they banned because we can't have these echo chambers of all of these people who have lifetime bans from Twitter. I mean, they ban all the people they disagree with and then accuse the people they disagree with of occupying an echo chamber. It's just, it's just relentless. Relentless gaslighting. <laughs> the fucking the balls on this guy. They can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of it's figuring challenge. out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting. Fuck, I can't. I can't do this anymore. They're fucking kidding themselves. <laughs> How do we bring these people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting? 
it's just, it's, I, ha I have no, I'm speechless. <laughs> and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. Uh -huh. and ah. ah, okay. So how do we coerce people into believing what we believe? How do we get everybody to go along with what we want? I know. How about we threaten to ban them? We lobby private companies to remove them from the internet. We delete their apps. We accuse them of being in an echo chamber and we call them extremists because there are more than three news channels to watch. How about, what about that as an approach? Maybe that will fix it. <laughs> How do we get them back into the mainstream? We beat them back into the mainstream. That's what we do. It's time to take the blue pill, ladies and gentlemen. And is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we gotta do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was, when I started at Facebook in 2015, the number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State. Um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between- I was gonna say, conservatives but that's not that's not right anyone who at any level is opposed to the woke corporate agenda this applies to you you are now being your interactions online on facebook and twitter and whatnot yet sinister charlie is already onto it he's already seeing what i see he's like wait a minute what yes if you're opposed to the woke corporate agenda so you might be a Trump supporter. You might. I said last week, and I, I still believe this. I think these days I have far more in common with the fucking hairy armpitted hippie who wants to grow their own organic vegetables than I do with any neocon. Right. But to but to the corporate media, right? We're we're both right wing extremists now. Me and the hippie. So if you are opposed to the woke corporate agenda. Listen up, you are about to be compared to ISIS. Exactly, original rev. Uh, conservatives are ISIS now. Yeah, and like I said, anybody who's just anybody who's just not along with the CNN program is essentially ISIS. You are being compared to ISIS. Your interactions on social media. It's the same thing as trying to stamp out ISIS because they're both, the thing is, he called it extremism. To this guy, ISIS and you are both extremists. You know, you might be sharing boomer Trump memes on Facebook. You're an extremist. You might be beheading people in Syria. You're also an extremist. <laughs> right? The mainstream of fact-based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. And can you? Is that possible? Minister of Fun Kimmy in the chat on Trovo. But ISIS was only bad because they needed jobs and climate change. <laughs> yes. Do you remember those articles floating around at the time? That extremism in the Middle East is caused by... I'm not fucking making it up, I swear to God. Just go down the Google News rabbit hole and you'll lose a day. I swear to God. <laughs> they were blaming Middle Eastern extremism and religious fundamentalism is caused by climate change. <laughs> Those articles were around in like 2016. And people, people were legitimately arguing on places like CNN. 
that we need to we need to vastly increase the amount of money we spend on climate change in order to solve the terrorism problem. <laughs> you just you do forget, don't you? The last five years have gone so quickly. You forget all of the good times we had along the way. That's that's why I do this show. If you're new to this show, if you're joining us on Trovo for the first time, you've never been here before, don't mistake what this show is. I'm not trying to save you. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm not on a big mission or anything like this. I'm essentially documenting the downfall of Western civilization. In my mind, the show's already over. It's just running a little behind time. In my mind, it's already done. It's already wrapped up. We're just living in the afterglow of a once culturally confident society, which no longer exists. So this show is all about the obituary for the West, not trying to save it. If you have these high lofty ideals that you're going to wake people up and that one day everybody's going to see the light and see through the storm and all of the other empty epithets, then I've got news for you. This is not the show. Exactly. It's for funsies. We are collecting stories on this program to tell each other in the gulag. So we'll be lying there in the gulag. We'll be, you know, dividing up the potato skins according to whoever's the toughest in the dorm. I'll, of course, have the largest pile of potato skins. And and while I'm feasting on my potato skins and you're all starving around me, I will regale you with stories. Hey, do you remember back in 2017 when that article came out? We covered it on the show. Where they said climate change is causing dangerous religion, uh, religious extremism in the Middle East. Do you remember that? And you'll all go, yeah, I do. I do, books. Fuck yeah. See, the gulag ain't so bad. And then when I go to sleep, you'll stab me and steal my potato skins. That's what I imagine my future. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. You'll stab me in my sleep and assume new leadership in the gulag. Let's carry on. Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was when I started at Facebook in 2015, the number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State. Um, And there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the Internet to recruit and radicalize young mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And the challenge is going to be partially that, you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, steal yourselves (laughs) because the... (laughs) The domestic extremism threat, which is caused by people having too many options when it comes to news media, is actually worse than ISIS. It's worse than we first thought, Brian. We are under extreme pressure here. I mean, once upon a time, all we had to do was ban ISIS from the internet. But these Trump supporters, I mean, they're everywhere. They're worse than ISIS. They're both extremists. Congress, but there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Wow. Um, Over half the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Therefore, they're worse than ISIS. 
Yes, they are. You know what I love most about CNN is they would never, ever use hyperbole and lie to me. I think it's about time we start thinking of these Republicans in Congress and GOP members who voted against the fair and free... Really, I heard it was the most fair election in American history. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I think we really need action against these people. I mean, they're just like ISIS. They're terrorists. Did you see the guy with the face paint and the horns and the furry costume? I mean, come on. How much evidence do you need? Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) And there will be a continual political pressure Uh on the the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first you have Mm. to focus on those violent extremists. Mmm. I didn't have to try. The gaslighting is beyond anything I could have anticipated, even a couple of years ago. Like, uh, l- listen to this again. So, in in this reality, in this pre-constructed reality where there is only one outcome, right, which is either be them or be a terrorist. That's the whole premise here. The axiom is built on fucking sand. So in this pre-constructed reality, if you oppose the mass arbitrary removal of people from social media, from, you know, YouTube, from the internet itself, if you're in any way opposed to that, then in their world, you are somebody who is applying constant political pressure to not take extremism seriously let that settle in you're a, in other words you're a terrorist sympathizer how good is 2021 huh how good is this and those companies have to be brave in that way they have to and be second, brave we have to we need the companies to be brave and continue banning people <laughs> be brave. Be brave and call GOP people fascists and Nazis. Be, do the brave thing and remove them. Wow. <laughs> Turn down the capability of these conservative influence. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen to this. Oh, yeah, you are absolutely going to love this. So we're talking about, because remember now, conservatives are extremists. They're just like ISIS. In fact, it's worse than ISIS because there's more conservatives in the United States than there is ISIS members in the United States. Therefore, we have to treat it like ISIS, but it's far more serious than that. Far more serious. And then here we go. There is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, And there will be a continual political pressure on the the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first, you Mm. have to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger- Happy Hanukkah, my nigga. Winning TV tipped $3. This show is the after-sex cigarette. It's over your sweaty and satisfied. <laughs> okay, thank you. Let's have a look, Phil. Thank you, Phil D'Angelo. Trovo.live slash winning TV.
Just take whatever you want, but please leave us alone. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Phil D'Angelo, ladies and gentlemen. Straying dangerously into Victor Von Shroom. What the fuck is that video territory? I like it, Phil. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the tip. I, I really do need to highlight this because this is where this is where the rubber hits the road. And what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks in regards to demonetization, people being banned from YouTube, people being banned from Twitter. And then, you know, a year ago when the same thing was happening a year ago, when people were being removed from platforms, when platforms were being removed, and then go back a further two years with the same thing. We have been going in cycles and each cycle is getting increasingly extreme, right? Each cycle is becoming more suppressive. Each cycle is becoming more vindictive. They're getting more and more and more ban happy as we go along. You know, you, you, you don't even have to, like, take the example of the GOP um, politician who's running for governor in, I forget the state, we covered it last week. She's running for, she was removed from Facebook during a gubernatorial campaign because she was at the Donald Trump rally. She didn't do anything. She didn't say anything. She didn't incite anybody. She, she didn't storm the Capitol. She was at a rally down the road from where it was happening. So she was just in the general vicinity of something bad happening. That's good enough. Ban her. Get rid of her. And she's running for office. See, in the first round of bannings that took place a few years ago, that was that would have been so such an extreme idea. You can't ban somebody for that. You can't even... Remember, not that long ago, they were saying, we won't ban anybody who's running for office. That no longer applies. Now they're banning people running for office who just happen to be in the same fucking city as a riot. That's how far we've come now. So I really want to hit this home because this really says it all here. Have a listen to this. But there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, and there will be a continual political pressure on the, yeah. the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first, you have mm. to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger, daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN. <laughs> Brian, I think, is far too dense. He, because, he's, because his head is made out of solid fucking oak, he's far too dense to understand what a tremendous self-own that was. Because I want you to look very carefully at the logo in the bottom right-hand side of the screen. What was that line again? Let's get the line exactly right. Have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger, daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN. <laughs> so... Again, we need to turn down people. We need to turn down conservative voices on YouTube. We need to get rid of. We need to get rid of these extremists, right? They're now just openly discussing it because they have too much influence. And some of these YouTubers get a bigger audience than daytime CNN. 
in the bottom right hand of the corner, it says live CNN, 11.25 a.m. Eastern time. (laughs) (laughs) And now look at Brian's face. (laughs) Hmm? Welcome to Daytime CNN, where we can't even get as many people as you get on YouTube. (laughs) Today, we'll talk to an expert about why we need to ban conservative influencers from YouTube because they have a bigger audience than us here on CNN. Unbelievable. (laughs) Sinister Charlie. Yeah, Boogie. Are you trying to put these bitches out of business? You extremist. (laughs) But Brian is such a fucking moron. He's such a troglodyte that he would never understand why that was a just a wonderful, perfect cell phone, a self-cucking on his own program. Thank you so much, Brian. We love you. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick five-minute break here on The Daily Boogie. Uh, when we return, we might have a little bit of fun. We'll see how we go. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in five. Stick around. Narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, or one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in, in their millions, right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and i like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10pm Eastern Standard Time, along with the good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Cam, where I showcase my myriad of great looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. I I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ! What are you fucking Asian dick crazy? <laughs> you. You <laughs> have to ruin my evening. Like I, I'm just gonna just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show, and you, you gotta, you just gotta do this. Without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian oh, come on, really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's not working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, hate come on, you secretly guy. love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and there you have it. Uh, so subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Aloha and welcome to Pirate Radio, Ladies of Liberty, the hot seat. Or maybe this is my daily traffic report. I don't know. As you can tell, I, I seem to have a problem with commitment to one type of platform. I, I think doctors refer to that as uh, ADD. Uh, but anyways, if you want to follow any of those shows, you want to catch me live every single day of the week, you can follow me at Real Person Politics. That's Real Person P-L-T-C-S. Aloha. Another ain't no rest for the wicked Until we close our eyes for good UK Neil over at DLive for the Great Awakening Show. That's over on DLive at DLive.tv stroke UK Neil. Get yourself out of that matrix and get over to the Great Awakening. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. All right, all right. This world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Uh, not the second half of the show, second little bit of the show here on a Monday night. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Don't forget, if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, patreon.com slash boogiebumper. If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, of course, streamlabs.com slash boogiebumper. We've been talking about doing a little bit of media watch today ladies and gentlemen and you know i think we can all agree that after 2020 the one thing i think the one thing that we can collectively look back on is and with respect and with a sense of pride is the way that the corporate media ladies and gentlemen weren't afraid to speak truth to power right happy hanukkah my nigga happy hanukkah oh, Sinister Charlie tipped $5 because I'm a weeb. Okay, thank you, Sinister Charlie, for the tip. Because I'm a weeb, let's check it out. Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, my God! <laughs> 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 
I, I, I think this perfectly sums up. This is exactly what we're heading for. <laughs> you have summed up this show perfectly. Wonderful. Sinister Charlie. <laughs> this is exactly, I think, where most of us are at now. Oh, oh shit! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Thank you, Sinister Charlie. <laughs> all right, where were we? Yes, so uh, 2020, I think we can all agree, was the year of brave journalism, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Sinister Charlie. It's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think I'm going to have to turn that one into a sound clip. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I don't even know why it's funny. Just It just is. So I think we can all agree that 2020 was the year of brave journalism speaking truth to power. And I'm so looking forward to, with the incoming Biden slash Harris administration, I'm very much looking forward to the era of brave journalism continuing. We had to ask about that fashion choice, surely a first for a vice president, the Converse Chuck Taylor sneakers. <laughs> And look, she's look at her wee little badges there. She's got one that says Black Joy on it. Yes, Black Joy. I think that she's referring to Joy Reid. Shout out, Joy Reid. And you've also got Stop Hate, which is a lovely little bumper sticker. I've said this before. Imagine having a political ideology which can be summed up in bumper stickers. Imagine if all of your beliefs can be written down on like one A4 size piece of paper because they're all just one sentence slogans. Love is love. Stop hate. Black justice now. Like th these are my political opinions. No, they're bumper stickers. Must It must be so, the world must be so pleasant when it's not full of racism. Which of course is a catch 22 because it's always full of racism. So, you know, you can't win them all. We we just we just had to ask Kamala Harris about her sneakers. I, do I, I don't remember the previous administration and I, I remember them talking about Melania's choice of fashion, but only to criticize her. <laughs> and remember when she wore the safari outfit to South Africa and she was accused of being a boa a boa colonial? <laughs> She's a fucking racist. Look at that hat. <laughs> here, here at CBS Mornings, we ask the hard questions like, Kamala, where did you get your sneakers? <laughs> and, you know, it's almost as if, it's almost, it's, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, this might be a little bit strange. It's almost as if the corporate media isn't willing to attack the incoming administration with such ferocity anymore. 
Remember our first article today, though, Salon. To be fair, Salon did argue that being objective and treating both sides of the political spectrum equally when you're a journalist is akin to accelerating fascism. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> the, every, every article we refer to tonight will be in the show notes, which I uh, put up on the Podbean website where you can download the podcast. Incidentally, if you're not signed up to the podcast, help me out. Help me out. Sign up to the podcast. You don't even have to listen to it. Sign up, leave a shitty review. Leave a very sarcastic, shitty review. Why not? That's what everyone else does. <laughs> so I'm so glad that they're speaking truth to power once more. We had to ask about that fashion. Oh, by the way, and by the way, if you want to call in and have your say, the phone line is open. 646-583-2700. That number again, 646-583-2700. Choice, surely a first for a vice president. The Converse Chuck Taylor sneakers, the Chucks. The Chucks. I gotta tell you, when you walked in, I checked out, <laughs> is she wearing them? You're not wearing your Chucks today. No. What is the story? <laughs> tell us about the shoes, darling. Tell us about the fucking shoes. Oh, are you wearing the shoes? No, I'm not wearing the shoes. Why isn't she wearing the shoes? Can you tell us more about the shoes? Where did you get the shoes? When did wearing shoes become a thing for you people? <laughs> Kamala, when did you people start wearing shoes? I'm sorry, what? I mean, when did you start wearing those shoes? It became a story. I've always worn shoes. <laughs> exactly, Jim Edward. Kamala, I have a question. How did you get your hair to look so bouncy and fresh? How did you get your hair to be so brimming with vitality and shine? <laughs> it's well, my casual. It's my always... casual go-to. I you know, grew up with Chucks. I just love them. I They're just comfortable. Love them. Yeah. I can attest. There is a several closets full of them. He's but, exaggerating. I don't know. I get this feeling. Like, this is just a feeling. More than a feeling. This is just a feeling that I get. This is just an impression that I get. I think, and I could be wrong here. It's just my opinion. I think that there is a large, a very big possibility that Kamala Harris's husband is a complete fucking douchebag. And when the cameras are off, she resents him. Am I the only one that's picking up that vibe? Like, when the camera's on, he's like, I could attest to this. My lovely wife, Kamala, yes, she's always loved Chucks. But don't you don't you get that feeling like when the camera's off and they're in a the car driving home, she, she's the kind of wife who would just, for no reason whatsoever, just look over to him and go, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I bet that happens. I bet that happens. She's just like, you know... He'll put the he'll put the margarine on the wrong shelf in the fridge, and she'll just be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? I hate you." <laughs> He's like, "I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. I did my best. You didn't read the lines I gave you to read at the interview. Why not? God, I hate you. You're so stupid." <laughs> but then, as soon as the interviewer walks into the room, as soon as the camera's set up. 
It's all smiles and patting his leg, and he's like, oh, I can attest to my wonderful, beautiful wife, Kamala. She's always loved these shoes. Because it kind of looks like she's smiling, but, you know, saying under her breath, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck it up for me. (laughs) I reckon he's a douchebag and she hates him. But that's just my call. I could be wrong. uh, Yeah, this wasn't just something that she started doing on the campaign. I I met her, it was Chucks and Jeans when she met the kids. What did it say to you? She's down to earth. People ask me all the time, like, what's she really like? I said, she's shockingly normal. I think that is really an extension of who she really is. Her shoes are an extension of who she really is. (laughs) I am so glad... Thank you for keeping me informed, corporate media. I'm so glad that you're here to tell us the real story when it's happening. Finally, thank you for speaking some truth to power. Speaking of women, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this was unearthed by our friend on Twitter, Chris, who has who has one of those Twitter names where it's like Chris LX1041. I'd tell you his Twitter handle, but I can't fucking remember. Too many Roman numerals in it. Uh, misogyny in the capital. Among the insurrectionists, a lot of angry men who don't like women. Because that's the real story. You know, the real victims of the siege of Capitol Hill, as it's now known. You know, it's not it's not the politicians. It's not the people who died. It's not the police who were beaten, right? It's not the live streamers. It's not even American democracy. The real victim of the Capitol Hill siege is women. Among the various forms of violence on display during the US Capitol insurrection, just it's never going to stop, is it? Many forms of violence. One has been largely overlooked, misogyny or hatred toward women. (laughs) It's... I am I am looking forward to this show in 2021. I really am. Because, you know, a large part of what we do here is, you know, breaking down corporate media and stuff. There, there's just going to be so much to get through. We're not even going to scratch the surface of bad journalism in 2021. Look at how we've started. I mean, like, I, 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 it's an easy comparison to make. The, the softball interviews of that Kamala Harris is receiving now, it's not shocking, but still, you know, you expected it, but it's still sickening when you see it, if that makes sense. We knew it was going to get this bad, but actually watching it, it's like you know that car accidents happen, but when you drive past one and you see a decapitated person and blood all over the road, then it's a different story between knowing and knowing, right? And in seeing it for yourself. So, it's so much worse. And there's going to be just so much soil to till. We're talking about fucking Kamala Harris's shoes. For the last four years, the journalists have been patting themselves on the back saying how brave they are. We speak truth to power. And now they have got their tongue wisdom teeth deep in Kamala Harris's fucking vagina. Constantly. Constantly tonguing her vagina. 
Oh, Kamala. Mm. Oh, you're so progressive. She's a woman of color. Oh my God, those fucking shoes. We love you, Kamala. Oh, oh. Eating her pussy in a journalistic sense. It's fucking sickening. They, they have no idea how ridiculous they look. None. Kamala, everybody's talking about your fucking converse. No, they're not. But let's pretend because we prefer the lie. Listen to this. Among the various forms of violence on display during the US Capitol insurrection, one has been largely overlooked, misogyny or hatred towards women. Yet behaviours of and symbols of white male power were striking and persistent features of the riots. White male power. Members of the overwhelmingly male crowds defending a president well known for his sexist attacks. This is a long fucking bow. Chris tweeted this out. He's like, this is the longest of bows. He's not wrong. (laughs) Members of the overwhelmingly male crowds defending a president well known for his sexist attacks embraced male supremacist ideologies. Now we have male supremacism. We have white supremacism and male supremacism. Let's hope that the male supremacists don't team up with the white supremacists because then we would have white male supremacists and then it's all over, folks. You know, we need to do something to limit the reach of these extremists on platforms like YouTube, if you ask me. I mean, let's just ban white males from Twitter, full stop, so we can nip this in the bud. I think we need to be more proactive here. I mean, it's basically like terrorists. It's basically just as bad as ISIS. Game over, man. Members of the overwhelmingly male crowds defending a president well known for his sexist attacks embraced male supremacist ideologies, wore military gear and bared their chests in shows of masculine bravado. (laughs) I just can't, man. They even destroyed display cabinets holding historical books on women in politics. (laughs) You know, the most confronting thing for me, the most terrifying moment for me when these rioters stormed the Capitol was when they smashed the cabinet holding historical books about women. It's really far worse than anything we ever could have imagined. Actions targeting <laughs> actions targeting House Speaker Nancy Pelosi gave the claim. Hang on, let's, let's just do this one more time. <laughs> one of the many things on display during the siege of the Capitol was the shameless displays of white male power. White males who hate women, they're misogynists. This was triggering for a lot of women out there. Actions targeting House Speaker Nancy Pelosi gave the clearest illustration. Members of the mob broke into her office and vandalised it. Items like mail, signs and even her lectern uh, proved to be particularly popular trophies. 
symbolizing an attack on Democrats and the House Speaker, but also against one of the most powerful women in American politics. While partisan differences often drive political violence, misogyny can play an, un <laughs> an underappreciated role. You see, political violence is driven by misogyny, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about the women. The most important thing here is how women feel about it. <laughs> That's what we need to focus on. You know, in the wake of the siege of the capital, not enough people are talking about how women feel about it. Especially when directed at women in prominent leadership positions, misogyny pushes women who fail to live up to patriarchal standards, like those who dare to participate in the supposedly male world of politics. In my new book, Violence Against Women in Politics, I illustrate what this problem looks like around the world. In addition to physical harm, such violence can include threats, property damage, and sexist rhetoric. It's almost as if no male politicians have ever been attacked, isn't it? It's almost like no male president has ever been assassinated. It's almost like just last year and the year before, no what you know, no white male politicians were shot or beaten half to death on their own front lawn. It's that never happened. You see, because they are part of a patriarchal system. Property damage and sexist rhetoric, an imagery intended to intimidate women and delegitimize their political participation. Attacks on Pelosi, while partisan in nature, also contained many, many elements of misogyny. <laughs> Acts of vandalism and theft were accompanied by speech disparaging and belittling Pelosi as a woman. In the hallway outside her suite of offices, angry rioters tore the leadership nameplate off the wall as crowds chanted. Now, do you want... Here's your example... Here's your example of misogynist speech, which was fueling the violence, all right? Are you ready for it? What do you reckon they said? Get back in the kitchen, maybe? That might have been one. Why don't you go and get your hair done, sweetheart? Something like that. Why don't you get your fucking nails done, baby, and get out of politics? Maybe something like that. So I'm like, <whistles> mangoes, two for a buck. Did they say that? Something. Something sexist, surely. Maybe they slapped her on the ass on the way past. Do you want to hear the overwhelmingly sexist statements that were being yelled? I'll tell you. Acts of vandalism and theft were accompanied by speech disparaging and belittling Pelosi as a woman. In the hallway outside her suite of offices, angry rioters tore the leadership nameplate off the wall as crowds chanted, quote, get her out. And that's it. Sexism? Sexist much? Wow, talk about misogyny. Did he just say get her out? Does he not realise that her is such a gendered statement? These, these people are insane. She couldn't get out of bed. Why, watching the Capitol riot was triggering for some women. This is in USA Today. Why the Capitol riot was triggering for some women. It's important to discuss how women feel about the capital right. When an overwhelming... This is a different article. It sounds like the same article, but it's a different one. 
When an overwhelmingly white male mob rampaged the Capitol last week, armed with guns and zip ties, attacking police with metal pipes and erecting, erecting. I knew it was a male protest. Look at all of these erections here. I know I have one. (laughs) Attacking police with metal pipes and erecting a gallows, the nation reeled in horror. But amid the rage and shouting, the offensive T-shirts and bare-chested bravado, many women also saw something familiar. (laughs) 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 Quote, quote. Oh, God, I love USA. USA Today was readable like 10, 15 years ago when I first started reading it. It's, it's It's complete dribble now. Like the decline has been rapid. Listen to this, quote. It wasn't just masculinity or entitlement or supremacy. It was all of it that made the capital attack possible and often allows us to overlook the quieter attacks on our everyday lives. (laughs) Said Kirsten Barber, a sociology professor at Southern Illinois University. What? She's a sociology professor? Who would have thunk it? Thank God for sociology, am I right? Listen to this. Listen to this cheerful little fucking cunt here. <laughs> listen to this happy little listen to this happy little cunt. Quote, watching these images are triggering for people who experience the everyday violence of white male supremacy. The everyday violence of white male supremacy. I don't know about you, but after this show, I'm going to head to my local store and just punch an old woman in the face. Because I have to get my quota of everyday white everyday white male violence out of my fucking system immediately. I'm just gonna go and kick a little girl in the in the ass when I go to the shop. Hey, come here, kid. Bang. What do you think of that? Just trying to get my white male violence badge for the day. Everyday white male supremacy. Every day. Even on Sundays. Can I take a day off on Sunday from being a white supremacist? No. We need you 24-7, manning the ship. All hands to the pump, lads. <laughs> Drum boy in the chat. Yo, I'm about to do a violence right now, bro. <laughs> Watching these images are triggering for people who experience the everyday violence of white male supremacy. Whether that's black men who are patrolled by white police officers on the street, or women who feel threatened by white men in their spaces on a daily basis. Only white men who do this. Uh, excuse me, sociology professor. Are women ever threatened by non-white men? Absolutely not. How dare you? What a, that only a racist would say something like that. You know, if you are if you were to say that women feel threatened when in the presence of non-white people, I mean, that would that would just be absolute racism. That would be disgusting behaviour. No. Women only feel safe when they're with men who aren't white. It's just the white men. Watching these images are triggering for people, and I agree 100%. She's right. She's correct to think this. Watching these images are triggering for people who experience the everyday violence of white male supremacy, whether that's black men who are patrolled by white police officers on the street or women who feel threatened by white men in their spaces on a daily basis. That's that everyday white supremacy. Barber said, it's a reminder of the everyday stresses. <laughs> the every- It's a... Re- <laughs> I'm 
because <laughs> it's so stressful here in white supremacy land. <laughs> it's a it's a reminder. The article continues. It's a reminder of the everyday stresses that come with living in a world that's shaped by white masculinity. And that your wellness, your wellness, comes second to their expressions of dominance, which they see as their right. Wow. I mean, the thing of it, like, this doesn't make me angry. This kind of stuff would make a bunch of people angry, I suspect. There's no need to be angry by it, uh, angered by it, because it's so obviously wrong. It's so obviously bullshit. It's just fucking hilarious to me. It always has been. I seek this stuff out because it's so dumb, because it's so hilarious. Listen to this. It's a reminder of the everyday stresses that come with living in a world that's shaped by white masculinity. Arguably, you know there's an epidemic in the West, right, of people, like, taking fucking antidepressants and stuff. There's a reason for this. We, we, we have it too good. That's what most people argue. Because before we had it so easy, we, we, now, we now invent problems for ourselves. If you've got to go out there and tend the fields and, you know, wash clothes on a washing board and beat the shit out of rugs hanging on a clothesline, right? If you've got to do all of this menial house-based work, you're not going to have time to feel about the everyday stresses of white masculinity. It's not going to be an issue for you. And that your wellness comes second to their expressions of dominance, which they see as their right. Your wellness. So it, it, it seems it seems a very obvious point, but I must make it nonetheless. In these white supremacist utopias, why is it then that all of the other people are trying to get there? I mean, the women in the white supremacist countries, quote unquote, have it easier than just about any person on planet Earth. Experts say demonstrations of white masculinity have mental health impacts on everyone, but especially women. I can't. I'm so close to quitting. So close to quitting. <laughs> I, I, every day I get so close to quitting, but then a story like this comes along and it's just it makes it all worthwhile, you know? Experts say demonstrations of white masculinity have mental health impacts on everyone, but especially women, and can create stress, anxiety, and trauma. So watching watching this happen, right, in the eyes of some, in the eyes of this professor, this professor, watching this take place here, this here, watching this expression of white masculinity creates stress for people, especially women. It's, women watch this and they're overcome with feelings. A woman will watch this and she feels traumatised. <laughs> women are traumatised by this. Oh, God help them. 
These displays, the article continues, reminds us the threat of violence always looms. About one in four women have experienced sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner. I don't know if uh, 25% of women are that attractive. (laughs) Will that that get me kicked off something? (laughs) Probably. I I don't think those figures are accurate. There's no way that 25% of women are worth stalking. She doesn't even get changed with her drapes open. (laughs) Why would I stalk her? These displays remind us that threat of violence always looms. About one in four women have expressed sexual, uh, have experienced, pardon me, sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, and approximately one in five women in the U.S. have experienced completed or attempted rape. Research shows everyday sexism is linked to pros. <laughs> I, oh my god! Research shows everyday sexism. What's everyday sexism? What is what is everyday sexism? I love everyday sexism. Research shows everyday sexism is linked to post-traumatic stress disorders in women. What some women experienced Wednesday was... Oh, my God. What some women experienced Wednesday was... So this is the day of the Capitol Hill shenanigans. What some women experienced Wednesday was a collective and individual trauma and re-traumatisation, experts say, regardless of whether they've experienced male violence directly. You know what this is? Fucking unbelievable. Here we go. (laughs) All right. So that line again. Whilst watching the Capitol Hill shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen, what some women experienced Wednesday was collective and individual trauma and re-traumatisation, experts say, regardless of whether they've experienced male violence directly. So you don't even have to have had any kind of experience with white male violence. But watching that afterwards, women, you felt traumatised by it. You felt traumatised by seeing images like that. Because, you know why? Because white men were doing violent things. Ladies and gentlemen. I don't know Homer Simpson. Uh, I never met Homer Simpson or had any contact with him. But... (laughs) I'm sorry, I, I can't go on. <laughs> That's okay. Your tears say more than real evidence ever could. You are now a cartoon fictional parody. You, if you're a sociology professor and you say with confidence, quote, What some women experienced Wednesday was collective and individual trauma and re-traumatisation, regardless of whether they've experienced white male violence directly. You are now a cartoon, you're a fictional cartoon character. 
I don't know Homer Simpson. I, I never met Homer Simpson or had any contact with him, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't go on. <laughs> That's okay. Your tears say more than real evidence ever could. There you have it. Congratulations, ladies. You are now a Simpsons character. She couldn't get out of bed. Why watching Capital Riot was triggering for some women. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we might leave it there. Thank you for joining us on this Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie. I want to thank everyone who contributed to the show via Streamlabs tonight. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, don't forget to follow some of our friends, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Coffee Talk with Sandra. Irrational Times is back officially tonight. I know he's done a couple of streams, but the last I heard he will be back tonight uh, sometime in the next hour or so. So check him out. Uh, don't forget later on tonight, everybody's favorite lover of French women, Mersh. Then you've got uh, tomorrow, uh, Lois Ropez with Way Dave. JJ Stoner, ladies and gentlemen. Tip of the hat to the ROTC guys. Phil D'Angelo with Winning TV tomorrow night. Uh, don't forget to follow Victor Von Schroom as well. Joy of Pessy, Sunday Night Shit Show, Frozen Asian and Spent Dean, Major Tom, of course. And anyone else I may have forgotten. So that's it. Thank you for joining us on this Monday night edition. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to French, uh, French Bastard. I was reading the comments. Read, head to FrenchBastard.com. No, head to Patreon.com slash Boogie Bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, then you can do so by following at Bookie Bumper. We'll be back on Wednesday night with another edition. Till then, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.